once they called me in. They're looking for new sitcoms. They said, they said we really like your, your writing and we're looking for a sitcom like Gavin and Stacey. And I said, well, funny enough, I, I do have a, an idea that's set in Wales and England. They said, no, no, we don't want that. I said, oh, well, I've got an idea about unrequited love, about a couple no, no, we don't want that. And I said, so which bit of Gavin and Stacey do you want? And they said, the success. This is Filmmaker Stories podcast brought to you by JB Audio Post Production. JB Audio Post Production is a full-service audio production facility in London. Get in touch for all your audio needs, from recording voiceovers and podcasts to sound design and final mix for documentaries and feature films. My name is Yanis Balodis, and I have helped many filmmakers bring their film Sonic Vision to life. In this series, I asked them to join the studio and tell us their very own unscripted story. Bennett Aaron is a BAFTA shortlisted writer, director, comedian, presenter and author. He has produced over 40 scripts for TV and radio. He is currently running online sitcom writing workshops. The problem with stand-up comedy is that you're not really deemed to be successful unless you're on television. That seems to be the pinnacle of success. Uh, what do you do? I'm a comedian. Oh, are you famous? That's the first question I've always asked. Are you famous? The fact you have to ask me if I'm famous has more or less answered your question, really. But anyway... But that's it. You know, it's like, well, you can't be a real comedian because you're not on TV. But you can be a professional writer or a real writer, you know, because your name is on the credits, which which is odd. So I'm pleased that I do both, really. Bennett had an immediate honesty about his industry, but I was keen to find out where it all started for him to really get to the honest truth about his career. I've been writing since I was very, very young. I remember in school, I used to write all the sketches for school plays. And people used to say to me, because I'm a comedian now as well by profession, people always ask me whether I was the class clown in school. And I wasn't, although I did write most of that person's material. And then I started writing material for television, just sending in sketches. Then one day, a producer came back to me and said, oh, we're not very keen on this particular sketch I'd written and I thought it was the funniest thing I'd, I'd done and I tried to explain to him the joke and he didn't quite get it. Anyway, it, it played on me for quite a while the fact that he hadn't understood this joke and I really thought it was funny. So I thought, how can I find out? If he doesn't want to buy it, how am I going to find out? So the only way I could do it was to try it out myself. So I wrote myself a five, about five minutes of stand-up material and I went to a comedy club and I tried it out and... I trained as an actor. I went to I went to drama school, but I'd never wanted to be a comedian. It wasn't something that interested me. I'm naturally quite shy. So the fact, the thought of going on stage in front of thousands of people did I found scary. But I wanted to find out if this worked. So I tried out this bit of material, and it went down very well. Got a big laugh, and that feeling, that immediate response to something I had written, that immediate response was incredible. And I thought, oh, I'll carry on a bit longer. And here I am, over 20 years later, still carrying on that little bit longer. I wanted to dig deeper and find out what the secret is to being funny and creating comical content. Bennett makes it sound so very easy. I'm in a great position being a comedian and a writer, is that I can write something and try it out on stage. And if it gets a good laugh, I could put it into a script which is, you know, a great way of knowing if an idea is funny. Also, I've done the Edinburgh Festival four or five times and I get the chance to try out material at clubs before doing the Edinburgh shows. Then I do the Edinburgh shows, 
then on the back of that, I've been very fortunate that I, I've had radio series that have run because the Edinburgh shows have, have done well. So I've had three, uh, radio, three of my own radio series because it was trying out the writing on stage. The reaction was great. So I took the idea further, then developed that idea into a show. The show went well. And then the radio series came on the back of somebody seeing the show. So it's a, it, it all sort of works really neatly together. You don't have to, you know, obviously you don't have to be a comedian to be a writer. You don't have to be a writer to be a comedian. But the way I do it, it does sort of work very well together. And one thing bounces off the other and encourages the other. The stand-up, you know, the stand-up went very well and it led to other things. And then I wrote a sitcom script. And this sitcom script won a couple of writers' awards and I had an agent on the back of it. Then there's a reading of the script at a studio space in London. Didn't get made, but it became my calling card to send round to producers, production companies, broadcasters, as this is my type of writing. And it was quite an adult script, no, not, not particularly rude. I, I, never, um, I never swear on stage. My scripts are not full of swearing. I, it's, it's not something that I, um, particularly appeals to me. But it was an adult theme. The reason I mention it was one of the production companies that picked it up called me in for a meeting and they said, we like your script. Would you be interested in writing an episode or two of our new sitcom? And it transpired the sitcom was a children's sitcom. And I said, well, fine, but my script is an adult script. Why would you think I'd be right for it? And they said, because you clearly understand plot, you understand character, and that comes across as just a case of not writing anything rude, basically. So I said, fine. Um, and then I wrote it, and I ended up writing over 20 episodes of this uh, children's sitcom, which was called Genie in the House. And I wrote a feature film for it, and it became the highest uh, rated program on Nickelodeon UK. From a stand up to a top rated children's TV show, there's so much to find out about Bennett. The depth of stories continues with the challenging producer, an extremely serious identity for a problem, and questioning from Scotland Yard. All great content themes for his writing on stage and screen. I remember when I was training as an actor, we would do sort of end of term productions and everything and I'd write sketches and we'd, we'd, we'd perform those and then because I had these sketches that I really liked that's when I sent them into TV companies just to see whether or not anybody would be interested and I had no idea if anybody would be interested in, in my writing and I remember the first time a producer got in contact and said we really like this sketch and we're going to commission you to write whatever it was two or three minutes of material and I was suddenly a paid TV writer. And the fact that somebody was now paying me to do it was just uh, an, an incredible feeling. There were a couple of unpleasant times. I'd written a sitcom script, sent it to a producer who wrote back and said he loved the script and wanted to develop it. And I thought, my gosh, I'm going to get my first sitcom script made on TV. This was pre-email. So I wrote, I rang him, actually said, that's great. I'm so pleased about this. He said, yeah, leave it with me. That was that. Didn't hear anything. I kept calling writing letters, nothing. Five months later, um, I called again, spoke to his PA, who said uh, that she's very sorry, he's got no interest in my sitcom as he's working on a very similar sitcom of his own. And the similar sitcom of his own was my idea, which then got made. And that was, wow, that was over 20 years ago, and that still hurts. The whole identity theft issue became a 
an Edinburgh show. A lot of people ask me whether or not because of what's happened since I've done my show and made the documentary, you know, and I've, I've toured the world and, and made some money from it. And people often ask me whether or not it's been worthwhile. I'd be honest with you, I prefer it never to have happened because it was such a horrific time. I mean, it happened over 20 years ago. And this was pre-internet. This was when identity theft and fraud were not even really talked about. Nobody knew about identity theft at the time. And I was applying for a mortgage to buy a house and the mortgage was accepted and everything was going fine. And then suddenly I had a letter from the bank telling me that the mortgage was being turned down because they discovered all of my outstanding debts. Now, I knew it wasn't me. I'd never been in debt. and I'd never owed money to anybody. I'd tried to pay my credit card bills off in full. I'd, I'd never borrowed money. So I looked into it, and for the previous year and a half, somebody had been fraudedly using my name and had bought things in shops, got credit cards, um, opened bank accounts, got mobile phones. It's just thousands, thousands, thousands of pounds, all in my name. And this had given me a zero credit rating, which meant I couldn't do anything. I couldn't open a bank account. Uh, I, couldn't, uh, I couldn't get a credit card. And I was virtually frozen for the next year and a half to two years. The mortgage was turned down. And it was, a, it was a really, really awful time. The problem was nobody would believe me. Because nobody knew about identity theft, they kept saying to me, well, it's your name. Of, of course it's you. What are you talking about? What do you mean somebody else is using your name? Nobody, the, the police, the companies, nobody would believe me. And it was really difficult trying to convince the people that I was me and not the person pretending to be me. So that, that, that was very, very tough. And it took a, it took a long time to, to get my name cleared. And then years later, because as I said, I'm, I'm a writer and because I love writing, I, I wrote a show about it, probably for cathartic reasons more than anything else. And I wrote this show and I, I took the show to the Edinburgh Festival. And as a result of that, a couple of things happened. Uh, the first thing, I was asked to be the guest speaker at an international fraud convention in Poland uh, and Italy and Australia, which was fantastic. Um, and I was asked to make a documentary on the subject for Channel 4. Uh, which I did, and the documentary is, is online if you want to have a look at it. I think it's on, there's a link on my website. And in the documentary, I did a couple of things. The first thing I did, I went through someone's rubbish bins at one o'clock in the morning, and they had thrown away a bank statement and a pin, and with that, I opened accounts in their names. The other thing I did, I set up a little shopping stall in South Wales, and I said to people, I can stop you from having your identity stolen if you give me all your personal information. And incredibly, I had a queue around the, the shopping centre of people giving me everything, their mother's maiden name, their pins, their card numbers, the three numbers on the back of it. I mean, absolutely everything. It was ridiculous. And the other thing I did, the thing that caused me and still caused me a lot of problems to this day, I, I was told by the, the TV company that to make the programme, I would have to steal the identity of somebody in authority. So I rather foolishly decided to steal the identity of the Home Secretary and very, very easily got a driving license in his name so easily, and was questioned by Scotland Yard <laughs> uh, about what I had done. So alongside stand-up and alongside script writing, uh, I'm also a, um, yes, a speaker on the subject of fraud and ID theft, which uh, that bit I really enjoy. That's good fun. I asked Bennett what has changed over the duration of his career and what benefits and opportunities writers have today. Years ago, you could send in an idea for something and if they liked the idea they would give you some development money or even commission something 
on the back of just a treatment or an outline, that doesn't seem to happen very much anymore. Nowadays, everybody wants to see the script. I mean, I've got a good track record of scripts. You know, I've had over over 40 scripts produced on TV and radio. So, you know, and they can see examples of scripts. However, it's still not enough. It's not enough really for people to put development money in. They, they actually want to see the script. So there's a lot of work now that you have to do. So that, that's one disadvantage. Um, a lot of the times production companies ask for options on scripts. I'm not a massive fan of the option. I, I try and do it as a matter of trust instead and hope that they're going to do something with it because it's they, in their interest also. It seems pointless otherwise. Of course, the advantages are that we have more opportunities for work to go out. We have Netflix, Amazon Prime, you know, so that there are more outlets than there were years ago. You were very, very limited. People are looking for content and there's a lot of rubbish out there and there's a lot of brilliant, brilliant series out there and fantastic films. So pros and cons really to uh, what it's like being a writer. The money hasn't really increased that much from when I first started. Uh, a per episode rate is a, is about the same for a TV drama, TV sitcom, radio pays very badly. I enjoy writing for radio, but you know, there are more opportunities. As I said, people are, are looking for content really so that's that's you know that's one of the advantages now there's much more of a focus on looking for diversity diversity of roles diversity of writers which is you know which is the right step forward also they're looking much more for female writers female directors um programs films everything from a with a with a female voice because that's been um in the minority for so long Style-wise, I don't think things have changed. I've noticed that there's a lot more adult content that there used to be. And as I said, my, my scripts are not full of swearing, really. Never never really have been. But I've noticed a lot of scripts do tend to go that way. Even, you know, your basic sitcom script, what would have been counted as an adult sitcom when I was growing up is now much more of a mainstream family sitcom. You know, again, so things do develop. I do a lot of script editing for production companies and people contact me directly for for scripts. And I find a lot of scripts I read, people haven't done the groundwork for them and just started writing. And you can realize they've started writing because you're on, A, if it's a sitcom, you're on page four and you probably haven't laughed yet because they haven't developed characters uh, well enough. Um, And also people just start writing and they don't know where they're going with it. They've not really focused on the plot outlines. They just want to put down the dialogue and just to get started. It does feel a little bit bit rushed, really. So that seems to be happening a lot. And there are a lot of similar ideas around as well at the moment. There, There doesn't seem to be that much that's unique. Saying that, I've watched some brilliant series recently on on Netflix, for example, that there's the Spanish program uh, Money Heist, which is just incredible. I mean, just really gripping. And and the series at the moment I'm watching on Prime is called This Is Us, uh, an American series, which I think is probably one of the best series I've seen in, in many, many years. There's a, a feeling of freshness when it comes to the dialogue. It's dropped all the cliches and it's giving it a fresh voice. Uh, and Money Heist, the same thing, you know, with, with the twists and turns of it. So there, there's some really, really, really good programs to watch 
it seems that American companies are taking much more of a chance, much more of a risk than British companies are. In this country, we seem to be quite staid in our views and what the public want. I, I have conversations quite often with producers who keep saying, oh, no, you're, we're aiming for the, the 18 to 30 demographic or 80 to 40. I try to explain that to me it's an older demographic that we should be aiming at because those people are not, are not necessarily watching TV and we should be aiming for older people who don't have the opportunity to do anything else, to go out or maybe don't have the, the money or the ability to watch you know, streaming channels. So that's who we're, we're aiming for, my parents' age, really. You know, people, people who are 60 plus we should be aiming at. But uh, I feel as though I'm, I'm coming up against a, a brick wall constantly. So I've, I've given up trying to fight the argument. To add to his talents, he's also a teacher and mentor for writers, hosting writing workshops. Listen up for some free tips around character building. Because I edit a lot of comedy scripts, if I haven't laughed by page three, it's very unlikely I'm going to want to carry on. And I do try and explain this to them. I'm saying, you know, as a reader, I'm not laughing. As a viewer, I won't be laughing. So there's also reminding writers that they're writing for a visual, mostly for a visual medium, and that it's not it's not a book. So a lot of the writers that that uh, when they send in scripts and I'm reading them, they'll say something like, um, "Steve walks into the room. He's very angry. Last night he had an argument with his wife, and she left him and has gone back to her mother." And I try to explain that I won't see that on screen. I'll see he's angry. I won't know why he's angry. That has to be explained. That has to come out in the dialogue. You know, you can't just rely on the on the on the reader looking at that and getting it because the viewer isn't going to have that. So it's got to come out. So those those little things are those are some of the things that I try and teach in the um, in the writing workshops as well. Just try and show people the the mistakes, the easy mistakes that can be made. Really, a lot of the time they write very long scenes, just pages and pages and pages um, that don't really go anywhere, that don't move the plot forward. Um, so I warn them about that. I warn them particularly about the voices of the characters, how the voices should be different, how the characters should react differently in in situations. I try and use the example of Friends, because the sitcom Friends, which you could take a line of dialogue and you know which character has said it. It's so, so specific to them. And also the fact that you're making a promise to the audience. You're saying, you look, come on, if you're writing a series or serial, you're coming on a journey with me. You're, you're getting to know these characters. We will develop them together. Then keep that promise. Don't suddenly change the character completely because people will lose interest in it. Um, I had a script once and every character spoke in exactly the same way, had the same manner of speaking, the same sort of colloquialisms. And, and it was the way the writer spoke. And, uh, you know, so I had to point it out to them that that just wasn't wasn't going to help. So there's those things, um, as I said, writing too much in the description that the viewer won't see. Writing, uh, copying, really, copying something that is all very well liking something or liking a program, but trying to copy the exact same style of that program will just come across as a, as a bad as a bad copy. So trying to find, to find your own individual voice. I like writing for radio because I don't have to worry about the visuals and the descriptions in the script, which I always find a little bit time-consuming. I've written two, two books. One's a novel, one's a memoir. And I enjoyed writing them, but, you know, it's all description. And I like to get to the dialogue. That's my, that's my favorite part, which is why radio suits my writing quite well. A lot of the things I've done on radio have been 
sort of a mix between stand-up, sketch and sitcom. And I like that because that's, that's how I first started. Um, and I like doing it and I, and I write for myself because I, I, you know, I perform in it, I play the lead in it. Um, and so it's quite nice to, to know. And this is the advantage from stand-up is that I, I know what lines work so I can put those in and they work, they work very well on radio. Um, I bought the rights to a novel um, a couple of years ago and I'm now adapting that as a screenplay. My plan is to write the screenplay and then direct it. But, you know, to, to try and get the finance for it and to try and direct it myself, that, that would be, uh, you know, the, the ideal scenario. It's a fantastic story. Uh, and it's taken me a while to write because I, I've actually written it twice already and hated both drafts that I wrote. So I've scrapped them and started again, which I've never done before, but I just didn't feel I was doing it justice. And again, I'm writing it on spec, you know, nobody's commissioned it. So I'm writing it and then hoping that I'm going to be able to sell it. So I'm working on that. I'm working on a comedy drama. I'm, I'm, I'm aiming to do a lot more drama than comedy at the moment. Um, so I'm, I'm pushing towards that. There doesn't seem to be that much of a demand for comedy at the moment, which is a shame. And when you think about feature films over the last few years, I don't remember any good comedy films over the last, I don't know, four or five years. It's a shame. It's a shame that this country, we, we have a reputation for comedy. You know, when I'm abroad, people say, oh, I love the, the British sense of humour, you know, Monty Python, you think, well, that's great. That's a long time ago. You know, have we not really done anything since? And when you think about it, we haven't. We've got this great reputation for comedy, but there's not enough comedy being made. So I, I, as well as the dramas, I would like to try and readdress that if I can. Producers, don't get offended here. Bennett struck a chord with me here, as often enough we have worked with producers and other clients who don't know what they want or don't want. It is about learning how to be strong enough in your field to fight for your opinion. I didn't realize how much or how little producers knew <laughs> because I would send in material and I would get back notes that would more or less strip away a lot of the humor. And I'd find myself trying to explain why something was funny and I, I, I found that just weird. So that was odd. And notes that I had back um, were, were very odd. A friend and I once wrote a sitcom. We, we were called in by somebody, a very, very senior producer um, in TV who called us in and said that he'd like us to write a script based on an idea that, that he had and paid us very well and told us what. And we went away and we wrote a first draft and he called us in for a meeting. He said, this is great. This is exactly what I wanted. I, I love this. Um, can you just change the main character a little? And we went, yeah, fine. He said, I want the main character a bit more like this. Yeah, fine. So we went away, did a second draft, sent it in. He called us in for a meeting. He went, great, you did exactly what I wanted. You've changed the character. I was going, um, one thing, can you just change the plot a little bit? I prefer to be more like this. And then, yeah, fine. Anyway, seven, eight drafts later, he called us in, threw the script down on his desk and said, what's this? And, uh, and I said, well, that's the script he asked us to write and, you know, that we've been working on. He said, this is so far removed from what I asked for. He said, I don't even recognize it. And I said, well, here are, here are all your notes. And all we've done is adhere to all your notes. This is what we've done. And he looked at us and he said, well, perhaps you shouldn't have listened to me. And suffice to say that that program never got made. And I often wonder if I had... Again, if I hadn't just pandered to him, if I'd fought my side a bit more. And I remember another meeting I had once, they called me in uh, and said to me 
they're looking for new sitcoms. They said, they said we really like your, your writing um, and we're looking for a sitcom like Gavin and Stacey. And I said, well, funny enough, I, I do have a, an idea that's set in Wales and England. They said, no, no, we don't want that. I said, oh, well, I've got an idea about um, unrequited love, about a no, no, we don't want that. And I said, so which bit of Gavin and Stacey do you want? And they said, the success. So that's when you realise that you're, you know, you're, you're dealing with people who don't quite know what they want and also don't know what they don't want. And that, that's when it can be a little bit difficult. And when you're a new writer, that can be a little bit daunting. I'm slightly more jaded now and I will fight my corner a bit more if I have an idea I like. This is why producing your own stuff is, is great, you know, um, and at least you have an opportunity with, with YouTube and, and Vimeo and what have, have you, you, you have the opportunity of, of making, of creating your own stuff, which we didn't have when I started off as a, as a writer. You know, it had to go through the, the channels. I have a, a friend who's written a sitcom called um, Two Housemates, and he's made 10 minutes of episodes, he's done three series of it, and, it, and it's online, and it, it's, you know, and it's good, and he's trying to get some interest, so at least there's something there that you can show, so it's a much easier sell, really. If you're listening to this as a new writer trying to break into the scene, better talk me through the process and ways to take control. I mean, people want material, they want, they want scripts, you know, but a lot of them won't take unsolicited material. It's got to go via an agent, but agents, their books are full and they're reluctant to take on new writers. So as a new writer, it's very difficult. You know, as I said, when I, when I started, you could send in sketches on spec and they'd have a look at them and they'd use them. And there's very, very, very few opportunities to do that now. So it's as a new writer and a lot of the writers that I, that I teach on the workshops, one of the questions is, how do I sell this? Where do I go from there? So, you know, some production companies will have a look at it, but the majority would prefer it to go through an agent, really. So it's, it's, it's not easy. A lot of the time you send a script in and you'll have somebody reading the script so it might not even get to a, a senior producer. So, you know, you've got somebody who might have, you know, a, a script reader, and if it doesn't appeal to them, then that's it. Then you're stopped. So then it doesn't go, you know, it doesn't go further. And you never know that the, the senior producer might really like the idea, but they're never going to see it. So you've got the, the reader, then you've got the producer, then the producer sends it into a, a broadcaster, and then you'll have a reader in the broadcaster um, who might not like it. Or even if they do like it, then it's passed on again. So you've got, you know, easily four steps you have to get past, and it's just a difficult slog. And, and that's why if you get the chance to make your own, then you know, you're in control of it, really. As our time came to end, I wanted to discover what is the secret of the success script and to create a good story, to get a real taster for Bennett's writing workshops. I always recommend that people write, 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 and then rewrite, and just just keep rewriting, and, and don't think that's good enough, or they will like it, or that's fine. You know, it's got to be the best it can possibly be. It'll be changed, you know, if you get it picked up, Producers are going to want to add and, and put their voice to it. But I would say just do the best you possibly can, that you're happy with it before you send it. Show, don't tell. I try to explain to people that if, they, if you're telling somebody a story and they don't laugh and you say, oh, you had to be there, it's not a great story. And when you do that in a script, you have to sell that story. And about being true to themselves, really, not to give up and to believe in what they're doing. If they keep getting knocked back, just to believe in, you know, that what they're doing is good. <laughs> of course, they won't all be good, 
But if you have belief in it, then to stick by to stick by that. I teach these sitcom writing workshops and I try to explain to the writers that you have to do the foundation bit, you have to do the dull bit, you have to you have to know your characters inside out. People say to me, do you write dialogue or character first? Well, you can't you can't possibly write dialogue unless you know your characters inside out. You know, you, you've got to know how they think, how they react to things. You, you've, you've got to know all these things. Otherwise, you wouldn't know how they would react in various situations. So you have to do all the groundwork. So in these workshops, they're only, they're only an hour a day for a, for a week. The first couple are all about getting to know the characters, uh, understanding plots, understanding situation. And I explained to them that you need to do this. It's like building a house whereby if the foundation isn't good, by the time you get to put, you know, the windows in or whatever, the house is going to fall apart. Uh, and I explain it's the dull part, but it's all part of the process of getting there. It's like painting by numbers. The the dull bit is the shapes and putting in the the numbers of what color is going to go where. And the fun bit is the painting. And the, to me, the, the painting is the dialogue. That's the bit that's adding color to it. I've written a, a book about sitcom, right? Just a short booklet called My First Sitcom. And in this book, again, I go through the stages of of writing. And even though it's about sitcoms, it's what I what I write is relevant to film, drama, anything of that ilk, because it's all about the starting point. It's all about knowing your characters. It's all about putting your characters into situations and how each character would react differently in a situation. Because if all your characters are reacting the same, it's all very dull. The reason all this started with with um, writing books and and workshops is that in in green rooms in chain, uh, dressing rooms with other comedians they knew I was a writer and they'd ask me how they can get into sitcom writing so I would give them little tips and you can do this and you can do that in it which was fine telling friends how to do it and then I'd get calls or emails from friends of friends saying oh you worked with so-and-so and I wanted it so eventually I thought I should monetize this so that's why I started right uh, running these since lockdown I've run four online workshops. I didn't know if there'd be any interest in them, but I take 40 people and each one has been has been full. I get them to send me scripts and then I look at the scripts and I give them notes on the scripts and that seems to have worked very, very well. When lockdown started, um, I said half of my work is as a comedian, half as a writer, half as a comedian. Um, actually, that's not true. A third as a writer, a third as a comedian and a third as a speaker on the subject of identity theft, which is... a, a completely different thing. Um, but when lockdown started, all my identity theft talk stopped and all my stand-up work stopped. So it was just the writing. There wasn't that much writing work. So I didn't know what to do. So I bought a domain called selfisolating.co.uk, which I saw was available. And I offered services as a script consultant, a, a script editor, script doctor. And there's some very, very talented people out there who don't know how to go about selling their work and selling their ideas. And it's been, it's been very interesting looking at that. When I first started, one of the first workshops I ever did uh, a few years ago, there were only three people attended, three women attended, and they were lovely. And together, we came up with a film idea. And I suggested to them, if they wanted to write the film, that they they should do that. And they did. And they wrote the film and I edited it. And that film is now with two quite big producers. So it'd be very interesting to see if anything comes from it. But it was a, it was a lovely, it's a lovely process. Every time I run a, a workshop, we write a script together as a, as a group. I love writers' groups. 
And it's such a lovely collaborative effort. Writers groups are great because if you can't think of something at the time, somebody else will come up with something and that'll spark an idea. And I re- we don't do them enough in this country. They, they do them in, in the States a lot. You know, the, the top sitcoms in the States are done with writers groups and we don't do them enough here. And, and, and I think we should. So, so that's what I've been doing recently and doing a lot of that. I'm working on um, a few sitcom scripts. I've got two film projects also that I'm writing, um, as well as a comedy drama series I'm trying to get off the ground. And it's nice to have a sideline where not only am I trying to sell my own work, but I'm helping writers to do theirs as well, really. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. The aim for the podcast is to provide a platform for first-time filmmakers to tell their stories, share their thoughts, knowledge and views, but most importantly, support and encourage others to follow their dreams. If you enjoy this podcast, spread the word and share the podcast on your social media channels, rate it on Podchaser and leave reviews on iTunes. All the links are available on the podcast show notes. Help us to share these stories and help filmmakers to achieve their dreams.